All right. Well, hi, Christy. Hi, Matt. This is Annalisa greeting you from Ithaca, New York, where I'm at Cornell in the Development Sociology Department, where I teach adult and lifelong learning. Well, hello, Annalisa and everybody else. And of course, to you too, Matt. This is Christy Rhodes, and I am talking to you from Eastern North Carolina, East Carolina University to be specific, and the Adult Ed Program uh, within the Interdisciplinary Professions Department. Wow, and I guess I'm uh, last, and Annalise and Christy, hi, this is Matt Ramirez. I am uh, coming to you from Tampa from an undisclosed location. Uh, I will uh, I will happily leave my employer's name out of it, as I probably don't represent them very well most of the time anyway. I shouldn't say that, uh, in case anyone from the company listens. Um, and, and I'm excited to, to be here as well, and today we're going to talk about uh, I think it's a pretty interesting topic. We're going to talk about sustainability and adult lifelong learning. We've got some questions to share, um, and we'll have some conversation. Uh, but right before we get into that, anything that uh, has come up today, Annalisa, you mentioned something just at the top of the conversation about what today is and what it represents, and I think that's a nice tie-in to our, to our discussion. Yes, today is Strike for Climate Action Day, and how perfect is it to be talking about sustainability? Um, I, of course, have meetings all day long and can't go to anything, so I'm wearing my Climate <laughs> Project t-shirt today, and embarrassing, I drew, drove my new Prius, but my other car is a F-150 truck, okay, you know, fixing it up here. <laughs> well, so... Yeah. Let me ask. Let me ask you this, and, and I think this is the question for all of us: is when we what comes to mind when we think about uh, the relationship of sustainability and adult lifelong learning? And um, maybe just to put Christy on the spot first, what comes to mind? So thanks for putting me on the spot on that one, um, <laughs> because we, you know, total disclosure. Annalisa was the one that suggested that we talk about this today. So, so I, I do feel like that person who thinks, gosh, I should be doing a lot more. But that's not what comes to mind. Um, I have a, a real strong image in my head of my grandmother who kind of lived through the Depression. And, um, and I have this image of her hanging up her aluminum foil, right? She'd use it, then she'd wash it, then hang it up along with her plastic bags, kind of, kind of just a little bit before it was trendy to to reuse before we, we recycle things and that that always strikes me with how that generation um, was a little bit better about not consuming so when I think of sustainability and lifelong learning I the connection I'm seeing and again it's incredibly vague as I say it out loud but it's somehow sharing with other generations and 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 really focusing on consumption and uh, I guess consumptionism if that's a term that's that's what I think of what about you well I, I'll, I'll I think I can go in next and and so I was fascinated by this topic because I am uh, and, and have been for quite a long time someone who um, you know, recycling and, and sustainability and and the environment uh, have always been important. But frankly, I never put two and two together. I never thought of mm. my workplace as being someplace other than, you know, the workplace um, uh, actions that 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 organizations take uh, to to try to reduce paper or to be uh, to be certified uh, as a um, uh, someone who or an organization that doesn't use as much um, burn as much fossil fuels whatever it happens to be beyond that I never thought there was an intersection between 
my passion and my workplace other than I made sure I put my my paper in the blue bin versus the the, the metal bin uh, so so the relationship for me um, until this question came up and Annalise thank you for bringing it up uh, was never one that I put together of a sustainability and learning um, and, and that prompted a lot of uh, thought for me on what that what that looks like and, and frankly it's it's on us as as adult educators to help bring that into our organizations, our classrooms, our um, conferences, whatever that happens to be. I agree. One thing that's grabbing me right now, so it's coming to mind, is the title I saw of a 2010 article, and it was by Shirley Walters, and it says, the planet will not survive if it is not a learning planet, sustainable <laughs> development sustainable development within learning through life. So that, to me, kind of encapsulates it. My, I, my um, awareness of this, or reason to start thinking about this, actually happened because I'm at a school that does not have an adult education department. It does not have an education department. So I'm kind of always on the look for ways to show my students this is not my hallucinations. This is a real thing, you know. <laughs> and I came across the announcement for the UNESCO Institute for Lifelong Learning when they were having the third international conference of the Global Network of Learning Cities. And so I went to that in Cork, Ireland, and I was thinking, what is this Learning Cities thing? And it was really cool because it's this attitude where you take how can a locality become an ecosystem of learning and how can we build learning into our manufacturing plants and into our farms and into everything that we do. So that's kind of what the UNESCO is focusing on right now is like the learning cities model as a way of localizing the UN sustainable development goals. Mm -hmm. You know, isn't that interesting? Because that's, I think, what so many of us grapple with. So we think of what we do on an individual level, but then you can easily get overwhelmed with, oh, the problem is so big that do my actions really work? I, Oh, Annalisa, that's that's such exciting information. And I'm going to have to go, to go like Google that, learning cities after that, because yeah. it does make it, it's local it has to be localized. It has to be brought down to to a, a more individual level. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Mm. So then throwing this question out there, is there are there any examples of of other than you know, and Annalise, I think that was perfect with the with the learning cities. Any other examples uh, that that you either one of you might have? I'll, I'll as you're grappling maybe with that question, um, I, I think of an of an example. Um, when I used to run conferences for uh, a, another organization I was at. Um, you know, we we were actively uh, trying at that time, and, and keep in mind this was 10 years ago, to to try and, and cut back on our our um, printing costs to mm -hmm. to reduce the amount of paper we had at the at the conference. Um, and and it, in some locations, we would even do um, uh, some activities in in the local community uh, habitat for humanity in one location. Uh, but we did a beach cleanup at another location. So there's always that. Um, that aspect of these conferences that are run by large organizations. So I'm just Ooh, curious if cool. there's any examples that, that either of you would have. 
Well, what's coming to my mind is this idea of organizing a festival of lifelong learning as kind of a, uh, well, as a magnet and as a way to get people thinking across sectors in a community. It can be a starting place for this, you know, this journey to being a learning city or a learning locality. And the, what I love about lifelong learning and what I love about a festival that would celebrate that is that it's so democratic because it doesn't matter if we have a second grade education or a PhD mm -hmm. in lifelong learning, we all have our next learning project to do and we can do them together. And that collectiveness is something that I really celebrate. You know, we're, we're about uh, self-directed learning, but that doesn't mean we have to do it by ourselves, right? right? We can do it with other people. And in fact, we have to if we're going to address uh, sustainability at the local level. So this notion that, and there are some resources out there for how to organize a festival of lifelong learning. We're thinking about trying to do one in a community locally, which will remain unnamed so far in case the <laughs> politics don't work out. <laughs> but it would be a way to um, celebrate cultures who, of um, immigrant communities in this locality. And it'd be a way to see, learn from different cultures about what their sustainability practices are and to be just united um, together in the same space, having fun learning together. I like that. That's great. And you know, Matt, can I um, kind of piggyback on that? <laughs> So, Annalisa and, and Matt, for, for both in both of those those projects, and then I don't want to be Debbie Downer on Friday, but one of the things that I, I you know, we were going to talk about things like we grapple with, like what, what yeah. are the issues, the challenges. So my question to both of you would then be, in both of those examples you used, how um, how do you convince everyone that this is important? Okay, not even everyone. How do you convince? <laughs> <laughs> many, many, many people. Because it is. We know those. We know it is. But, but any, any guidance on that? You know, I, I'll I'll toss in here. I don't know that it's necessarily difficult to convince anyone that it's important. I think I think at this point there are very you know there are those that that may not fully uh, realize the the risk and peril that that you know. That the world is in, um, call them what you want, but but at, at the same time, I think the majority of, of folks with good common sense realize this is a an important uh, topic. So then it, it it becomes more a matter of of finding the time or the the resources or the the opportunities, um, and, and maybe that's the the larger challenge is not necessarily convincing folks to to be part of this, but to convince them that their time is well spent doing this versus mm. other project. Mm. Well, I I mean, right off the top of my head, I know numbers are not um, always the best evidence, but I think about how when the global network of learning cities had what would become, looking back, what would have become the first kind of event in its development, but wasn't positive at the time was this conference in Mexico, no, Beijing or, yeah, Beijing in 2013. And now there are over 400 learning cities around the world. So that's, a, and it's not just that those are isolated learning cities. There are networks of learning cities forming. There's a all Ireland network of learning cities and they're actually reaching out to us and this is something I hope we can talk about at the Commission for International Adult Education. Rob Bark, who is 
our contact with uh, the equivalent of AAACE in the UK will be here for that conference. And the Irish network has um, made motions like, yes, we know you, US, are not in UNESCO anymore, but maybe we can figure out how to support mm -hmm. you to get learning cities going here. So that oh, gives wonderful. me hope. But the thing that I still wrestle with this because I think it's harder for us here because we're not as centralized. We're not used to like doing European initiatives across mm -hmm. countries and stuff like that um, is just figuring out how to make this real to people on a daily basis. And I'm thinking about ways of thinking, ways of being, ways of practicing that have to undergird the actual solutions that mm -hmm. we come up with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe just to sort of wrap things up and, and to, to take that a step further, Annalisa, the, I love that word, by the way, uh, undergird. So how are we going to uh, encourage or, or, or what are the, the undergirdings that we're optimistic about? What do we, what do we see as the positives out there? <laughs> Underpinnings, what are, we, what are we excited about? What are we optimistic about? Well, personally, I'm optimistic about um, developing with a colleague here, um, Marvin Pritz in horticulture. We're, de we're developing a course that's making these connections between lifelong learning, learning localities, and the sustainable development goals. And I'm going, uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about what today is, and then I'm very excited to be going to the International Conference on Sustainable Development in New York City. I just feel mm. like the here and the connections are about to click into place. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of makes me feel good too. As as I said, I'm I'm not in, immersed in that that area, so um, I, I I worry that we are not getting involved. So so, Annalisa, you've just put my mind at ease that there are initiatives that are just gonna pop. Right in hopefully in the stateside, um, Matt. I have one thing that I wanted to add that that in addition to the fact that today is Climate Strike Day mm -hmm. on the day we're, we're taping this, that the younger generation I think has a um, just has a little bit more a firmer grasp on things than perhaps my generation does. Um, but the the one thing that I did want to add is the this year the keynote panel at the AAACE conference. So Annalisa mentioned the CIAE, the International Adult Ed pre-conference, but we're also highlighting sustainability in the keynote panel. So I think you're right. We are, as a field, we are hopefully starting to, to really figure out how to make incorporate it into, into everything we do. So that'll be my hopeful, my hopeful thought for the day. Well, and and you nearly you nearly took my answer, Christy, about the younger generation because I was going to use the example of my daughter Sophia. So she is in seventh grade, um, and I think back to you know my my seventh grade. Uh, I I was certainly not as aware in seventh grade. I, in fact, mm -hmm. there was no awareness at all. Uh, and she and her classmates are doing a, a project right now where they had to um, to pick a crop that they could. They could grow and sustain, and, and that it would um, yield, uh, I think, maybe a few beans. So they, they had the choices of corn or soy, or maybe a few other things. Um, they went with soy. So they're learning hands on, they're learning. She, she's got a little 
uh, soy plant in in her classroom uh, on on how to how to grow and maintain and sustain and 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 be a farmer and living in this you know middle of downtown Tampa, um, and, and so there's there's that that aspect and then combine that with the, the fact that just uh, uh, just before the, the the end of the school year last year, she and her classmates also went out on a beach cleanup. So, um, wonderful. Yeah, amazing that that uh, the difference of, I'll say it, the difference of forty something years, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and you see that in the classroom now versus where uh, where we were not that long ago. Yes. We just have to figure out how to remain humane during the rough patches ahead. Absolutely. That's our learning challenge, I think, is how to remain humane, even as the you know climate systems become more yes. unstable while we're working to mitigate them. Absolutely. I think that could be the topic for the next podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Remaining humane. <laughs> that was a little bit of a doubter, wasn't it? But I think it's just good. No, it's, it's legit. That- yeah. yeah. That's reality. Yep. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yes. So with that, okay. I'll just, yeah, I'll check. I'm sorry, Annalise, were you going to say one more thing? I was going to just check if there was anything else. No, I was just going to thank you guys for this great conversation. And if we have listeners who would like to respond, is there a way that they can get in touch with us? Or should we just say our emails? <laughs> you, uh, My email. <laughs> is ALR26, ALR26 at cornell.edu. What's yours? I'll throw mine in. Um, it, 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 but unfortunately, most AAAC members have already gotten annoying emails from me, like ad nauseum. So um, I am R-H-O-D-E-S-C-1-4, the numbers, 1-4, at ecu.edu. <laughs> and Matt, if you want, they can contact me and then I can contact, I can throw it to you if I know that you have some. Um, oh, right. Sorry, Matt. No, right. no worries. That's perfect. He's in yes. witness protection. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. I we have to give that. you a fake identity. And, yeah, yes. Well, and, and I was going to give my Hotmail address, but that just kind of. Oh, there we go. That, that we dates go. me, so maybe I won't do my Hotmail. <laughs> at least it's, not, at least it's my, not my AOL account. So, I have a few of those CDs somewhere. <laughs> so with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up for today. And thank you both. I do appreciate it. And I will uh, I'll stop the recording now. Thanks.